Welcome to the Green Edge podcast with Michael Cross and me, Fraser Harper. This is our weekly roundup for the week ending 9th of September 2022. In this week's Green Edge post, we report on a major new venture by the Electrical Contractors Association called Leading the Charge. Leading the Charge is a series of videos, podcasts and other online media that will be launched this month and released in stages between now and Christmas. And the key point of leading the charge is that electricians and electrical contractors are pivotal to the realisation of a net zero future and a safe and effective transition to net zero simply cannot happen without them. But the problem right now is that there just aren't enough properly qualified people going into the profession. And Michael, you've been looking at this. Yes, I think we'll take up a theme that Tony Wilson of IES gave us is when you see a large number of people employed somewhere, look at the flows. And so what we've been doing is looking at the flows. So we currently have something around 230,000 electricians. We know there's a flow in from apprenticeships of around 7,000 current registrations, and that should probably be closer to 10,000. We also know there's an increasing demand looking for a further 12 to 15,000 from the work of the Electrotechnical Skills Partnership. But we also know there's a current shortage, and the current shortage is an additional about 7,500. Now, to complicate matters, the beauty of being an electrician means you're a very mobile worker. You can work elsewhere. And a recent piece of work by a recruitment consultancy found there was about a third of electricians were actively considering leaving the UK and working abroad, primarily in Australia, Canada and Ireland. The one additional little flow we needed to consider is the flow of electricians into retirement. We don't have exact figures from it, but the GIB do provide some age profile data. And that would suggest there might be a flow out every year of at least two and a half thousand people, probably more. So if you put that into the mix, it would suggest we could be short of 30, 40,000 electricians over the next five years as a minimum, which tends to suggest we have to either retain more in the profession and increase quite dramatically the level of people being trained. There's other little caveats in here in that the demand is coming from a wide range of green technologies. And I'll pick out one, electrical vehicle charging. Now, to do that work, you should be a fully qualified electrician with additional skills, not somebody who's got mechanical skills with a few electrical skills, because the Department for Transport's audit of electrical vehicle charging points at domestic properties found that was up to about 15% or even up to 20% were not safe. And that is a bit of a worry. Uh, admittedly, that audit flagged those issues and they're all rectified. Um, but it just highlights the issue of not having qualified people doing regulated work and people who've got a license to practice. So I think there's a major strategic issue for the UK on this in terms of electricians. And it's great to see the ECA is leading that program to try and raise the profile and raise the recruitment numbers.
And ECA's Leading the Charge launches with an event for an invited audience at the Royal Society on the 13th of September, and the Green Edge has been invited along. So we'll let you know a little more about that in later posts and podcasts. We're going to stay with the Electrical Contractors Association for just a little while longer, because Andrew Eldred, the ECA's Director of Workforce and Public Affairs, made some interesting points when we talked to him a week or two ago. Here are some observations he made, first on the role of government in bringing together stakeholders in the jobs and skills mix, and second on the thorny question of T-levels and apprenticeships. We look at the level of coordination, say in Germany, not government sort of being particularly top down, but government playing its role as a convener as a facilitator, as a referee, Mm -hmm. because, you know, it can get quite fractious. You know, the contractors, the manufacturers, Mm -hmm. uh, the education sector, everyone's jostling Mm -hmm. around a bit for influence and and, and so on. We look with some envy uh, Mm -hmm. at the the role that government plays in, in places like Germany. In the UK, this idea of you missing the boat on an apprenticeship and that's your lot, I don't think we can afford anymore to do that. And so if you if you look in Norway, if you look in Sweden, you can do a year in college and then progress into an apprenticeship with a suitable deduction. You can do two years in college and then progress into an apprenticeship uh, likewise, or you can start at the very beginning uh, in an apprenticeship. And we're actually seeing in Wales a very similar system being introduced, closing down those routes that don't have a decent chance of progressing into the full training and qualification. One of the discussions that we are still having with government is the issue of people progressing from a T-level into an apprenticeship and how that is to be treated for the purposes of funding and recognition of prior learning. Because to be frank, in the early days of T-levels, the DFE were taking quite a purist position, which is they were regarding T-levels as being on a par with an apprenticeship, at least. And so the starting point for some of the civil servants at that time was there is no progression because they have achieved the same status. And of course, that's absolutely, for a a practical occupation like an electrician, however great the sort of several weeks of work experience are, that's not that's not the substitute for four years of of day to day, you know, four days a week, hands on experience, mentoring, you know, learning from your supervisors and so on. And a reminder that you can find this week's post on the ECA and leading the charge at greenedge.substack.com. Now, there was an important announcement last week from the Department for Education regarding the rollout of Local Skills Improvement Plans, or LSIPs, in England. In DfE's own words, LSIPs are designed to place employers at the heart of local skills systems. And earlier this year, the DfE set aside 50 million of capital funding and 42 million of programme funding to create LSIPs in 38 areas. The department invited employer representative bodies, or ERBs, around the country to bid, and the awards have just been announced. And Michael, this is pretty significant, isn't it? It is, because it is an opportunity for those local areas to create very focused plans 
around pinch points in their local skills, shortages and skills gaps. Now, the ERBs, as you've called them, the employer representative bodies, have created initial bids that pick out focus areas, and they had 21 different topics. Now, of those 21, four are particularly green, which is green construction, green energy, carbon capture, and waste management, and a few others overlap with that. Now, those green areas, those four, constitute 52 of the focus areas out of about 140 plus. So it's over a third are green, which is quite significant. Now, what's significant when you start digging back into this is the fact that there are some regions that seem to have almost any of these focus areas on the green economy and the green skills agenda, which is really surprising. So if we look at the Northeast, uh, East Midlands and the West Midlands, seems to be very low in terms of focus on construction for the green economy and the whole area of retrofitting, which seems strange because everywhere in the country have got houses that need retrofitting and therefore a skills demand. And if we dig into the electrical vehicles, we find other little gaps like that as well. So in the post, we start to pick up on this and start to question some of those focus areas. Now, this might be because they're already making great progress and it's a previous focus, or it might be something they've chosen to actually merge with something else because some of these categories are quite broad. But I think it's something which is very important. And whilst 95 million is not a huge sum of money to invest in capital and programmes, it's a start. And we'll be reporting a little more on that in next week's post. Uh, So something for the new Minister of Education to get his teeth into. Most certainly. And uh, hopefully the Green Jobs Delivery Group as well. Thank you for listening to this Green Edge podcast. This podcast series accompanies the Green Edge newsletter to which you can subscribe at greenedge.substack.com. The Green Edge is produced by Blue Mirror Insights.